Hey guys, welcome to 12 Questions. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It is me, your host, Anna Valenzuela, still sleep deprived, still crazy, in one cup, cup of coffee deep. We're doing it, guys. I can't even talk. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by my co host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hey, everybody. Dave Yates. Good to be here. Good to hear that you're still with us, even though you're sleep deprived. Deprived. I'm deprived today. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go ahead and give us that beautiful clarity statement sure can uh this is 12 questions podcast we're a podcast where we believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also fearing guests who do the same we are not affiliated with aa na or any other 12-step organization 12 questions pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to talk about people's own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Ooh, Dave, I love it. Every time you read that, I love it. It just makes me feel so good about the purpose of this podcast. And what we're going to let people preamble. Know. Yeah, we have a preamble you now, have baby. A preamble. <laughs> and you guys are hearing the voice of my our lovely guest, a previous guest in a previous life. Guys, who am I speaking with today? Hi, I'm uh, Lena Epstein. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. Um, and as I've been self-consciously explaining to people for about the past two years, it's Epstein, like Frankenstein. The other monster used a hard E vowel, so um, mm. no relation. Uh, just love to clarify that. The funniest part, too, is that, um, yeah, I was on this pod. I checked before the podcast. I was on this podcast a long time ago, and I... I two names ago um and uh, the description of the episode is so precious uh i was such a little nugget henry c keeps it real in his long-term recovery also he recommends some summer fruit options great interview <laughs> check it out <laughs> we, were, we were eating um fresh plums and um, yes fluots, i believe yeah yes stone fruit time. there was a yes, long discussion stone about fruit. stone fruit and seasonal oh, yeah. fruit options <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was when my last name was my birth last name which is crouch and then i in 2016, legally changed my last name to Epstein, which is my maternal family surname, to honor my mom's family because I'm a lot closer with them. Yeah. And then Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein, Steen. He's Jeffrey a Steen. He's a Steen. Yeah, Fucking he's a Steen. complicated everything. And now I don't even know how to pronounce my own last name. I just know it's not the way he pronounces it. Lena. Um, and, and now I'm a woman and my first name's different too. So there yes. you go. Full circle, 180 on 180. I love it. I actually, and this is so embarrassing because I adore you. Okay, so my roommate is Brandy Posey. And if you know anything about Brandy, she is a real Epstein didn't kill himself person, right? That is the, that's our Wi-Fi code is Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> don't, don't give that away. No, I mean, it's the, it's the link, but it's not you. It, the code is different. Yeah, yeah, It's not the password. So like you're just broadcasting that belief you're just like you know getting yeah. the word out 
yes. uh, radio waves. Yes, yeah. and making Charter Cable laugh every time we have to call them for their crappy service. So it's great. So um, so we, we have had long, in-depth discussions, and she has explained to me the entire saga of the Ghislaine Maxwell, Henry, or, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein crazy, right? And like I just did, because I, because you're the only, you're the only person or were the only person, that's the only name in my mind. And so I would switch back and forth and the entire time she'd be like, Anna, Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be oh, like, I'm no. so sorry. Totally. <laughs> so for me, my- Lena is a great help. <laughs> Lena yes, Epstein. Lena Epstein. Yeah, Lena Epstein does not rhyme with Jeffrey Epstein. Henry Epstein is Henry Jeffrey. Early on in my um, IOP, um, when I was still using my dead name, people would call me Jeffrey all the time and then be like, I mean, Henry. And it was like, okay, yeah, I should probably, that was actually one of the, (laughs) the reason I'm transgender is because Jeffrey Epstein Epstein ruined my life. Um, yeah, no, uh, but I but I just kept getting called Jeffrey by friends even. And it's like, look, it's okay if you misgender me or use the wrong pronouns, but uh, calling me Henry, uh, Jeffrey instead of Henry is like so fucked up. That's a, that's um, a, real, that's a real mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's a real motivator to be like, mm, you know, I'm a woman now, so maybe I should figure out. It's like, I want a new name because I'm tired of being Henry. I feel neutral of being Henry, but I also like, it rhymes with Jeffrey, and so I, I was crowdsourcing what I should change my name to for a while because it's like I'm trans and I'm a woman and I want to honor that journey, but I'm also lazy. So I was like, just asking people, like, what should I name myself? I was thinking Sponge, you know, like the marshmallow um, dessert, the just, marshmallow. Just put out like a Twitter poll. Just put like a yeah. Twitter poll with name I choices. I put out a call and not very many people responded, but. Um, <laughs> But I, I went with um, I went with Yelena because it is the uh, well Lena short for Yelena, which is short for I'm Russian. Don't fuck with me. And uh, Yelena is the uh, Russian version of Helena or Helena, which means bright, shining light. And that is what I aspire to be, and usually fail to be. But That's I'm working on it. It's not a nice true. goal. You're pouring <laughs> light into our hearts right now. That is. It's just the Philips Hue bulbs. It's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's um, just a little bit about my name journey. I love yeah. it. Lena. I love it. Oh my god, Lena. <laughs> Dave, yeah. you've been quiet for a minute. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm quiet. It's just you. You guys have such a rapport that I I didn't want to. Yeah, Dave, you're up. free to go if you want. No. I'm just- <laughs> Trust me, the the podcast existed pre Dave, and it it would exist post Dave. Dave, what does your shirt say? No confusion in that. What does your shirt say? Don't Um, eat the brown acid. Okay. Yep. So uh, it's a it's a tie dye shirt uh, that yes, it is. uh, Well, I'm explaining that to the people who might be listening. The seven people, who knows? Who knows I feel like they can now. hear the tie dye, especially after yeah, our yeah. last episode, I, which was all fish related. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, but it, it's a phrase that they uh, said at the first uh, Woodstock because there was a, a batch of brown acid going around that made everybody sick. 
So oh, they no. were doing announcements over the loudspeaker, warning people not to eat the brown acid. So that wow. is that is what that uh, comes from. I wish PA announcements were more useful more often like that. You know, yeah. it's usually just like, um, you know, homeroom today is going to be shifted or there's an active shooter. Um, don't eat the brown acid. seems like a nice, happy medium, but um, I could go with like, Hey guys, you know, Sam, he has HPV. If you were wondering. <laughs> Publicly shame people as <laughs> no, That's my that's my not mantra. publicly shame like in a non-shaming way. Just like information rapid. Publicly up. celebrate people with STDs. exactly yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Lena, we have we do have rapport. We've gone to um, Al-Anon meetings in desperate spots of our relationships. We've like, it was very interesting. We had tough relationship times, like simultaneously. It would just go to Al-Anon meetings and wonder what the fuck they were talking about there. And, um, yeah. you know, like we also went, we went on tour together. We went on tour together. Oh my gosh. And I was so sick and so hormonal and you were so patient with me and I was such a weirdo. And I was so afraid <laughs> to share a bed with you because the, the bed was all white and I was like bleeding all the time and I was just like I'm just gonna sleep on the floor <laughs> I remember that I remember that it was so crazy uh, we went to a pride together we went to yeah we we went we went on tour because we had a booked gig uh, that was like at a yeah. an inpatient um place and that was uh fun it was a too. and that was like in like Napa but then we like made a San Francisco um, tour of it and it happened to be during pride weekend so we went to the dyke march which is like incredible which honestly is so much cooler than the pride march which is the day before because it's is that like, literally what they call it like yes. the dyke it's the dyke march yeah yeah, yeah. and it's um right it starts at whatever that sloping hill park is um and it starts as like a picnic and then there's a march and it's just it's like all the people who aren't gym bunny cis gay men and that's where I'm trying to be, you know, that. Yeah. And also it was the finale of, it was the finale of <gasps> season nine. The best season. Or 10 of, of a uh, drag race. So we went to a viewing party, but I had been to the taping of that finale live in Hollywood. And so I knew about that rose petal reveal and I didn't tell you, I waited for you to see it on TV. That's that a is, good friend. That's a yes. good non-spoilering uh, yes. friend. Yes, yeah. truly. Especially yeah. because that's literally the most e epic moment in oh, Drag yeah. Race history. Changed Usually history. the finales are whatever, but like that one was, it changed the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was I, that was being, being there live. God, I, I'm sure there's crossover. I mean, everyone likes Drag Race now. Um, it's not, it's pop culture, but like being live, talking about this, it, I, whatever, I've just got to share because being live there for that rose petal reveal that Sasha Velour did was the closest I think as a queer person I will ever get to understanding like the excitement of a Super Bowl. Like people, like people were were writhing on involuntarily were and like, like jumping out of their seats and like literally losing their minds when it happened. It was electrifying. I was jumping up and down in this gay bar and like like also dancing at the same time. And I remember this old queen turn and was like well, get it, girl. Like, just really <laughs> feeling this straight ally just bouncing around like a spaz. And, like, the whole bar was just like, ah! <laughs> it, was, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. And also, there was not a bathroom 
for uh, a, a straight woman to use. I pretty much had to pee outside. Everything was occupied. Everybody was so, so excited. They had to fuck immediately. <laughs> you did a lot of peeing outside that trip. I remember also when we were saying- And that's exactly family. like the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we also went to the Jelly Belly Factory upon my insistence. Oh my God. To heal an old wound when I had been like eight years old and visited my stepdad's family up in Northern California and gotten a tantrum and got like basically punished for the day while everyone went to the Jelly Belly Factory. I had to stay home at the hotel with my mom, remember? So I was like, yes. we're going to the Jelly Belly Factory. I need this. <laughs> and it was great. It was the most fun. It was the most fun. <laughs> well, you're a delight. And I treasure that time that was so much fun and i just thank you for your patience and i just celebrate i feel like it i was, was so crazy trip. thank I, you I was, we were both crazy we were both crazy we were both <laughs> going through crazy time i was like leaving a job and waiting for this job offer i got the job offer on the trip remember oh, yeah. that job that job turned out to be like the most toxic job i've ever had but at the time i was like oh thank god someone's gonna pay me a living wage it was a it was a very in flux time for us. Yes, it was. Yes, it yeah. was. Oh my gosh! But so much has changed. We've mm-hmm. both grown a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of things have happened. Yeah. Um, how throughout all of this have you experienced surrender? Okay, we're doing that. Um, I I glanced through the through the questions and I started to read them and I was like, okay, no, I don't want to. I just want to. Yes. Answer presently. Um. How do I experience surrender? Well, lately it's like, it comes knocking on my doorstep and it's like, are you ready? Cause you have to, <laughs> um, it's a lot of, um, well for, so for context, like I, um, I got sober when I was 19, um, and was sober till I was 29, um, or 28. And, uh, and was like active in recovery and um long story short like hit a bottom psychologically in november 2018 like i lost a job that i loved because the company was like downsizing and uh my boyfriend dumped me we were gonna like maybe move in together in the new year and my family very suddenly decided to sell our home in LA and move to Texas in like a two to three week period. And at the time I, um, I kind of drifted from my program because my life got really big. And so, um, so I relapsed and that relapse lasted a year and a half. And it was like, not, I was not like, um, there was no, you know, they talk about like, insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results it was like i i was doing the same thing over 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 again and expecting the same results and doing it anyway you know like there was no period of like maybe i can control enjoy it someone literally asked me if i partied on grinder and i was in such a dark place that i was like well this seems easier than suicide i'd never used meth before um but i said sure and it was um, it was it was truly like a Lynchian nightmare world for like a year and a half. And at the time, 
you know, in early recovery, like I thought I had experienced incomprehensible more demoralization, but I really hadn't until, um, until that time. And the gift of, of that time was thank God I had a moment of clarity and had so many people there to support me who wanted to see me get sober again. And, um, and during that time, I realized um, that like part of the reason, despite all of the, you know, like the family and the job and the, the boyfriend, these things that sort of were propping up my identity, um, really there was like some underlying gender dysphoria, some, there was gender dysphoria that I was fully unaware of, that I, mm-hmm. I'd been living with. And that had resulted in like me really hitting a plateau in recovery of happiness, joyousness, freedom, because I was so out of touch with my body and just like thought it was normal to like dissociate. I didn't even know I was dissociating, but just like mm-hmm. there was such a disconnect between mind and body. Like, um, and so surrender or uh, the question is how, do, how, what does surrender look like for me today? Yeah. But like, I want to know about what was that? what was that moment of clarity? Like, was there an event? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, like it was, you know, it was a white light experience moment and I continued to use for like a few weeks after that, but it was the moment, but I, but I like that moment got me to like sign up for a therapist who then like referred me to an IOP and, um, today's 80, 85 days, by the way. Um, so, um, but, uh, the moment of clarity was, um, I was, I knew I was going to be starting with this therapist at an LGBT center. It's all via zoom, of course, um, cause we're living in this pandemic, but, and I, I knew I was planning on asking her about like the center's IOP. And so like, it was in the back of my mind, I had been, I had been, so powerless over the past year and a half. I lost it. I mean, I really lost everything. I lost my housing. I lost, like, I created a lot of financial wreckage. Um, I, I first moved to Phoenix and lived with my grandma for a while. And, um, and that is a, a special, my grandma's wonderful, but being a full-time meth addict and a part-time Uber driver in Phoenix, Arizona is a special hell that like, I don't encourage anyone to experience um and uh finally I moved I moved to um in with my mom to Houston where she'd moved and um to get sober and the irony was um I'd spent all of 2019 basically like it in my room hiding every day smoking meth um not communicating with the outside world with the exception of occasional freelance work via zoom and then in late February, early March of this year, I was like, I'm ready. I need help. Like, world, will you take me back? I'm sorry. I want to rejoin civilization. Like, I, I, I'm sick. I need help, please. And the world was like, hey, you know that thing you've been doing of, like, just staying in your room every day and then really only communicating with the outside world via Zoom? we're all going to be doing that now. So maybe you should just keep doing that. <laughs> um, so I moved here in the spring to get sober. And um, it the pandemic really threw me for a loop. Um, I didn't take to um, Zoom meetings initially because my 
alcoholic insanity was like, they're not the same. And it just, you know, like looking for an excuse not to heal. Um, and it was really tough for a few months, but I finally got this therapist and, and I was, I was at home alone. It was like the day before, um, the day before I started IOP and, um, and I, I got that therapist who like referred me. And so I'd slowly been inching my way and, um, and I was sitting at home and I was like really fucked up and high on like a bunch of, I don't even know what, um, but I had this, this like Christmas carol moment of like knowing what was coming and asking myself, like, what would my life look like in five years if I was sober and if I addressed my gender dysphoria? Because in, in the spring, like when I made that first attempt to get sober, right as the pandemic kind of, there were like literally two weeks of me being able to go to meetings in person here in Houston. Uh, but during that time I had come out as trans and I'd been identifying as, um, as like gender non-conforming before, but I really was like, mm, there's more here. Um, and so that day before I started IOP, and I was super fucked up. I was home alone and I was asking myself like, what would my life look like in five years or in a year if I was in recovery, if I was transitioning, if I was like really honoring um, these things that I know I need to do if I wanna be happy. And, um, and like, it was a white light experience. Like I, I just, in the sense that like something outside of me I honestly, um, I've been staying unmuted until I, I got to pop in just because like I'm in Chicago right now and uh, there's sirens going on constantly. So it's like, what, what, what alert, make it work? alert, you're in yeah. Chicago warning. This is, <laughs> this is Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, you are but... in Chicago. Yeah. I live right off the freeway. Um, like I live in a suburb, but, and it's like before it's literally like swamp forest, but then you like what it's called Inverness forest and it's um, right on like the outskirts of Houston. But then you walk right outside, turn left on my street and it's like a, a highway. So um, you live in so, the Outlander novels. Inverness is part of the Outlander series. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's, this, that's for all you nerds out there. <laughs> this Bring it fucking home. guy. Um, I was about to say something really profound and my ego is really wounded. Um, Oh, the white, the white light, the white light moment for me was like in asking myself that question, um, it, something, some voice outside of me or some voice inside of me that had been so buried by alcoholic insanity rose to the surface for a moment to like whisper in my ear and be like, you are in a lot of pain and you are worthy and deserving of love and your higher power and the people in your life love you and want to see you mm -hmm. sober and happy and transitioning and um, accept you as a woman and will see you through this journey. And, um, and I just started sobbing. I just started sobbing 
because I, it was like that moment of clarity of like, and this is the fucking thing about alcoholic or like addiction insanity when you're active in it is it's like, you don't realize how sick you are because you're medicating yourself. And it's not, it's very rare that until you take that, that solution away, you realize how much pain you are in. But I had that moment of clarity and I was like, Oh my God, thank God. I'm, I'm starting rehab tomorrow and I'm going on this journey and I'm going to fucking do it. Um, and like, like there's nothing you know, like a good surrender sob. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's, it was that's a good so indicator. Nice. Like when your body's just like, all right, you're shutting down now. Yeah. 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 And the other thing is, you know, like, you know, you, you start getting sober after like abusing your brain with heavy drugs and your neurons start rewiring. And then the first few weeks of sobriety in rehab, um, IOP, which was all through zoom through the LGBT center. I like to call it 21st century rehab for trannies, but that's not the official term. Um, <laughs> it just sounds like a fun, um, like a fun place and thing to be in. Um, but uh, the first few weeks sober, um, I just, everything made me cry. And it was wonderful. It was like, I could feel my feelings again, you know? And I was like, oh, right, emotions. You know, I'd look at my cat and be like, my cat's gonna die one day. And I'm so lucky to have today with my cat, you know? Or like, I'd, I thought about, the, I thought about West Side Story. Like not, I just like thought about the fact that it exists, that it's like a thing and just started weeping or like, you know, looking at my mom gardening in the backyard, being like moved by, you know, seeing this woman I've known all my life, just go about her daily business. Um, Aww. everything made me cry. It was great. It was great. <laughs> it was great. I love um, it. My stepmom's yeah. like that. She cries at commercials. Like she'll see a really wow. touching commercial and just burst into tears. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I love what, that. What commercials? I can't even think uh, commercials these days are always either very like factual. I feel like, or just like trying to be funny. What is it? What so like commercial? like uh, a Zales commercial, a good Subaru commercial, um, any wow. com- any commercial about like um, healthcare, pets, or children. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hallmark the, Hall of Fame those movies. TV, those aren't the TV channels I'm watching. No. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zell jams. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Leo, so that's, that's, it sounds pretty insane from a good way, though. Like, you know, like that, like, I, our next question is, like, what's the most insane moment you've ever had? And a lot of times people think that insane means bad, but it can also be, like, insane, like, revelatory and, like, yeah. surrendering, you know? Yeah. It, I, the most insane, I mean, God, like, in terms of war stories, like, in insanity and active addiction for me like girl that whole time i was living in phoenix arizona was a fever dream um i mean i had a way i I have rock bottom stories from phoenix as well and it is a fever dream there (laughs) i mean phoenix itself is rock bottom incarnate so it's true literally i so i'm going to tell you a little anecdote um about like this was a moment of clay this was also a moment of clarity and this was like six months, six months before I got sober and like 
when I was still in Phoenix before I moved to Houston with the intention of getting sober, I, um, I hooked up with this guy and we were partying together and um, it was like, you know, using took me to, using as an adult, as opposed to like binge drinking in college, which is when I got sober the first time, using as an adult took me to a lot of strange places. I mean, what was crazy to realize for me was that like meth is such an epidemic. It's such a pandemic. Like it's, every, and, everybody's using it. Senators, the, fucking yeah. homeless gay youth. Uh, I mean, it's everywhere. Well, and so in the gay community, it's so synonymous with sex. That's why on Grinder, do you party is a really common yeah. phrase. And like, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of, it's, it's hard to intertwine those things. Yeah. Yeah. And what was crazy too, is like after using meth for the first time, I, I spent my, my ponies almost entirely sober from 19 to 28. And I, had every type of wonderful and terrible, sexually debauched, depraved, celebratory group and or one-on-one sexual experience imaginable. So get it, yeah. And was like, <laughs> like it was great. And then I look back after having used for the first time, and I'm like, oh, half those people were on meth. That's why they were being that way. It was like I was the most naive, innocent slut. You know, like I just had no idea <laughs> why why those people were acting the way they were acting, and now I know. Um, but so I I was in Phoenix, and I hooked I was hooking up with this guy, and um, you know we talked on on Grinder, and um, and he invited me over, and to what turned out to be quite literally like a a trap house, like a like a I mean it. It was, he was sleeping in, he'd made a bedroom out of like a hallway that led to the laundry room. Um, and uh, we hooked up. It was weird. Uh, I mean, he was cute, but obviously like crazy. And um, I met his, his roommate came in one point who is female and wearing dreadlocks and like this Renaissance fair gown. Like I can't, I, and she, she was blonde. She was like white and blonde with dreadlocks and was like one, wearing a Renaissance, like a, I can't even explain. Did she have her titties up to her chin? Yeah. Was there a bustier involved? She didn't have a bustier, but it was like, I, I don't know if Renaissance is the correct era. It was just, it was a regal. It was like an a, event. Like a, ma- like a maiden, like a maiden. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Except with, she was a white girl with dreadlocks and she it, popped in while we were mid- fooling around to ask if she could take a hit of math and tell us that she just applied for Jack in the Box to job at Jack in the Box down the street. And that... Shout out to Jack in the Box, baby. You know. Yeah. That alone, like, wow, that's a bottom. Um, But but so we, we were hooking up and I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but um, I started to noticed that I was feeling the come up of a psychedelic drug. Um, I don't know if he dosed me intentionally or whether he just like, you, you know, the contact on the, on that drug is like, if you even touch it, I don't know if he had it or like, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but I knew that like, after we hooked up and we're just chatting, like I started to feel the very distinct feeling of coming up on psychedelics. And during that, during that conversation, 
as I have had with many guys that I hooked up with during my time partying, um, we got real honest. Um, you know, tweakers like to talk a lot. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we were just talking about our lives and sort of like how we got to where we got. And the tragic thing that I, I've experienced so often is that like so many, so many gay men who use and party and who are in dire straits or like in just a shitty place in their life who are indigent or sleeping on someone's couch or whatever, like they can tell you in great deal detail, like exactly why they are where they are, mm. you know, like a lot of them have taken step one in the sense that like, they know, they know why they know that they're addicted. They know why, what they've lost as a result of it, but it doesn't, it's not enough to change their situation. And so we were having one of these conversations and he was telling me, and it was, I think, part of because I was starting to have the psychedelic experience and also part of just, like, human empathy or whatever. But he he, he basically told my life back to me. I was asking him how he got to where he was, which was this hallway, you know, that <laughs> he was sleeping in. and um, In a flop house with, in a, a, flop with house a handmaiden. With a handmaiden. <laughs> um, also, who goes to a job inter- interview... And th- I mean, props <laughs> to her. I just don't. It's Jack you, in the it's Box. It's overdressed. You're if you if you're dressed for the Renaissance Fair and you're applying to a job at Jack in the Box, you are overdressed for the job <laughs> and overqualified. <laughs> um, but so so we were having. You know, he was telling me he was telling me about his life, and he basically like told my life back to me. And he said he said you know like I had a job, I had a career, I had a partner. Um, and I lost those things and the pain of it has been so difficult and I have not been able to let go of it. And so I just stay here and I keep using and, you know, family asked me to come back home, but have you ever noticed how difficult it is to leave Phoenix, Arizona? And at this, when he asked that question at this point, I was like, something's happening in my brain. And I was like, yeah, actually, like the few times I've tried to leave on a Greyhound, like the bus broke down or I missed it or like, it's like <laughs> yeah, there's a reason it's it's hard to leave Phoenix. This is the Valley of the Dead. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, this is like a place where old people go to retire. And there are a lot of ghosts here. I'm a ghost. And I was like, Uh-oh. okay. Okay. Yeah. Like. But like, you mean like metaphorically, and he's like, I'm a ghost. And he wouldn't clarify that he, whether he meant like metaphorically or literally, but he was just like, I'm a ghost. I'm stuck here. I don't know what else to do. And um, he would not clarify whether he meant meta- metaphorically or literally. And at that point I was like, well, this has been fun. I appreciate you um and keep in touch you know where to find me i'm gonna go now and um you fucked the ghost of dick's future yeah (laughs) of what's future of 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 like hookups future yes oh yeah it was um the whole drive and and by this point like i was definitely coming up on something because the whole drive home i mean you know uh, I've had positive experiences with psychedelics, um, actually, that were insightful, sort of, and sort, 
that were insightful and sort of like actually helped me realize that I was suffering from gender dysphoria like earlier on. And then I buried those thoughts. But um, but this was such a specific and terrifying experience. The whole drive home from that hookup, when I would be stopped at a stoplight or see people walking down the street, everyone's faces were just a, a blur. Like no no mouths or eyes they were just like a, a swirl of of color um i'm gonna spin the wheel of mystery drugs here my guess pcp maybe it felt very much like lsd though mm. um, and my I, I will I, I will try to pinpoint in on a li- little bit uh if it was out of like a what we used to call a space pipe uh, which is the one that you roast from the bottom with a flame. There's any number of remnants of DMT. Uh, there are certain uh, synthetic compositions called yes. 2CB, 2CA. Oh, I, I, I know all about those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, yeah. There could have been a little leftover from that, you know? And then that's, yeah. then you caught one of the side of it, and then it like was just enough to, to kick that in. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it doesn't the bottom line is like it doesn't matter – it was a, it was a, I'm going to call it a vital spiritual experience. I mean, it still took me, it still took me a long time to get sober, but that was the day when I got home to my grandma's house, I was like, Grammy, I I can't stay here. I love you. Um, and I'm so appreciative that you've let me stay here, but I need help. And I think I need to go to Phoenix. I mean, I think I need to go to Houston and, and stay with mom and maybe, um, you know, try to figure my shit out there. And that was so, um, that was so essential. Um, I needed to get out of, I needed to get out of Phoenix. Too many ghosts. Um, Yeah, and that's such a- Casper the friendly meth ghost helped me make that decision. (laughs) Yeah. That's what he goes by on Grindr is Casper. (laughs) This guy's name was actually Sky. Um, Yeah. Of course. course. (laughs) What was your bottom in Phoenix? Oh, um, I was uh, living on my own. My dad had just died. My mom was in Joe Arpaio's tent prison, and um, I was smoking pot every day, eating a raisin bran for most meals, um, completely bulimic, and mm-hmm. uh, my car got stolen, oh, and fuck. I just broke down. Yeah, there's nothing sadder than looking for your own car at your apartment building. I was living in North Phoenix, like right off of... Um, Oh God, I'm trying to think like Thunderbird or something. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Um, I did pay four hundred and sixty dollars a month for that apartment, though. Yeah, because bitch is old. <laughs> that is another reason it's hard to leave because it's cheap. yeah. It's crazy, but I love that you got into that decision making. Like, what is oh, yeah. your what is your decision making process now? Um. <sighs> My favorite of the ninth step promises from um, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous is that we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. Um, And that has been very true for me for the most part. Can you guys hear me okay? I know there's still some fucking construction. I can put the headphones on. Okay. You sound beautiful. Um, the, the, The most surprising thing about getting sober again was my alcoholism and and the shame cycle of addiction kept telling me like you've thrown away nine years of your life 
you're a failure. You fucked up. You will never get that time back. No one wants you back. Like you're a loser. And I thought I had, I thought I had lost all of the tools, but the reality was I just stopped using them. And so I very quickly after starting to go to rehab and getting some days together, remembered like right thinking and contrary action. And like when something doesn't sit right with me, I like can do a spot check inventory. And if it's a big kahuna, uh, like situation or conflict or feeling, I'll talk to my sponsor and I'll, you know, I'll do some inventory on it. Um, but my decision-making today, um, is for the most part, uh, easy. Um, you know, it's like, I, I'm also a very much a work in progress. Like I'm starting, I'm starting HRT hormone replacement therapy on Friday, you know, like Congratulations. this trend. Thank you. Um, and like, who knows that'll, that's going to be a journey. And I'm still, you know, mama still like got a credit score of 300 and something and doesn't have a job and is living in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but she's got a roof under, under her, over her head. And, mm -hmm. um, I'm so lucky to be, you know, to have the opportunity to live here with my insane family and really like, um, like grow a lot in ways that I wasn't expecting to. Um, so the decision-making for now is like pretty easy. And that's in part because like, I don't have that many decisions to make. Like I go to meetings every day. I don't drink or use one day at a time. Um, and we rescued a kitten and I'm like taking care of this kitten, you know? Uh, but my life, my life spiritually has gotten so big again, but like, I haven't, I haven't left the like half mile radius of my house with the exception of a few doctor's appointments in like six months. So that's insane. That part is kind of a nightmare, but the silver lining of the pandemic has been like, I'm in Houston, but I get to go to my old LA home groups and my old New York home groups. And I'm like reconnecting with so many people. And, um, that's really awesome. Um, but that's, I guess what decision-making looks like for me today. I always think it's I always think it's worth noting too that like we think we've lost so much in regards to time because time is such a a big subject in the rooms where I I think a better way is like similarly to what you put it, it's just like the tools are still in the toolbox they just got dust on them you know like uh, you, you didn't really forget how to use them you just haven't picked them up and you know yeah. I, I've had people in my life that have gone back out and you know I don't necessarily ever say negate that 10 year span that you had right. it's just it's just covered in dust and it's yeah. also you know from my perception it, it's just you're not that person anymore mm -hmm. and that's not the person you ever wanted to be anyway so all this is kind of relative to where you're currently at yeah yeah and i don't want to be too woo woo but like i'm grateful for my relapse because i needed to fucking figure out that I had gender dysphoria and was like out of touch with my, I was, you know, on paper, my spiritual life for a long time was really good, but like I would have these episodes, um, you know, when it came to like romance and physical intimacy that just like, I thought 
and this is really important to, to distinguish, like I thought, because I didn't know, I just didn't know, I didn't know um, that it was dysphoria. Because like in addiction, like I hadn't known any alternatives. So how did I know what I was experiencing was like atypical. I, um, I thought that dysphoria, or I thought that the notion of like what we do in recovery often being walking through discomfort, sitting with pain, like dealing with these difficult things. I just thought like, well, I'm going to have panic attacks about my body for the rest of my life. And like uh, physical intimacy in, in a long-term relationship is going to be complicated just because I'm complicated and it's just going to have to be that way. And I get, to, I get to like sit through that and sit with that. And what I didn't realize was that, um, that I, that I didn't have to sit with that, <laughs> that there was actually something actionable. Um, and part of, you know, relapse isn't part of everyone's story, but I realized that as part of a larger set of realizations, I think when I went out, um, because having lost my job and my boyfriend and my family moving away, I was doing a lot of thinking about just like my family of origin trauma and my, you know, relationships and, I realized a lot of valuable information that was really painful to come to terms with. But now in sobriety, I feel like stronger because I know about myself. Now, would you say that that's like the most interesting thing you've discovered in your process as things have in this new chapter of your recovery? Could you rephrase the question? So is <laughs> it, would know, you, I know we're being organic about, uh, you know, slipping them in, but could you, could you state the question? Um, yes. Absolutely. Would you call that the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself in this chapter of your recovery so far? Um, or what is the most surprising thing that you have learned about thus far? This is, yeah, this is something, this is, this is really the reason I want to come on the podcast is what I'm about to say. And this is one of the few sort of like semi-prepared thoughts that I have that like, I hope if anyone is listening who is struggling with gender identity or ignoring thoughts that they're having about it or is trans and thinking about getting sober or is trans and sober. Um, what I've realized, and this is sort of a qualification is like growing up, I was very fortunate. I came out when I was 13 as gay mm. and I grew up uh, with a single mom who was young and tough as nails and, you know, fought ferociously for me and to raise me and give me every, every opportunity. Um, but, you know, it also came with baggage and like, you know, my parents divorced when I was young and my mom was my primary caretaker and my mom, um, my mom's a tomboy and the messaging that, I received growing up around sort of gender stuff was this kind of double bind unintentionally of um, like my mom personally, like is not, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful naturally, but like she doesn't present herself hyper feminine and she has her own history of trauma. And I think part of that is like a protective thing because my mom was like that too. Jeans, t-shirts, Birkenstocks, yes. old man sweater. Literally, literally. Yeah. literally. Mm -hmm. 
as a as a like a shield because like equating understandably like the hyper feminine is often vulner it's a it's a state of vulnerability and imp- impractical dress and presentation um which can be fun and wonderful but it's not very practical my mom's also she was a chef for like 20 years um so she like was on her feet all day cooking and stuff she was you know on the ground doing shit mm-hmm. you know um so the messaging around femininity was like femininity bad or hyper femininity bad but then also like my mom doesn't take shit from like shitty toxic men and so like the men that she dated whom I love are betas and uh (laughs) and so there was this also this messaging of like masculinity bad um toxic and um so when I came out as gay like that was fine and um and I I really think that what I, what I really want to drive home that is sort of a nuanced idea and I think in the wrong hands could be interpreted or misappropriated but the re- language around gender is really important and I think that um what I what I see as really beautiful about my recovery now is that now that I have this insight about the transition I'm going through, I really see my recovery and my transition as like interwoven as, as mm-hmm. the same thing, really. Um, and part of that, what that means is um, like I didn't choose to have gender dysphoria, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am not someone who believes the narrative. And I think this narrative is really poisonous and bad for trans people this idea of being trapped in the wrong body, that's sort of like the explanation we were given, mm. if anything at all, growing up about what a trans person was. Um, I think that, that that is so problematic uh, because it suggests that like trans people are miserable and there's something wrong with their bodies um, that needs to be changed. In fact, the, the, that whole concept um, was not originated from trans people. It was this idea of dysphoria as a medical condition to be treated was created by doctors who were performing gender affirmation surgeries at a time when they feared that their licensure would be revoked Mm. for doing something crazy. And so they needed to be able to justify it. Right. And so I don't, I don't, I, I didn't choose to have gender dysphoria but I do believe that I am choosing to live my life as a woman and that, that my gender is a choice, which in the wrong hands, that concept is like, see, they're just choosing to be whatever they want. If they just had Jesus, then they, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, well then you end up with long jokes about, you know, a a road trip full of the alphabets and like, have you, have you heard the Chappelle bit? (laughs) No. Do I want to? Probably not. <laughs> Love him. He, you know, he's one of the goats, but, um, but yeah, not so great with the trans content. Um, um. I just, I just wanted to wrap up the, this yeah. whole, this like notion, like, sorry. So for, so for me, <laughs> um, like my choice to transition and my choice to live my life as a woman and the choice that everyone has 
to live whatever gender feels right for them is a choice. And for me, that choice is a choice to heal. And I also, I think like it's kind of irrelevant or it's, you know, it's just my qualification and my experience. But like, I think that my choice to, um, you know, my, my mom being my primary caretaker and the messaging that I got growing up around gender, we have a very um, like codependent relationship and, um, and there's a lot of like enmeshment and emotional incest, like bound, like boundaries. What, you know, like who I'm, we're responsible. I'm responsible for how you feel. Right. That's how this works. You know, um, Sames, so like, mama, sames. <laughs> so, so me like really stepping into my own as a woman and exploring my femininity, giving myself permission is really like this, I think in a way, I mean, it's really me becoming my own person because it's my choice and it's um, it's something that like, I'm not asking for permission from anyone for. Yeah. And um, ironically, like, even though my mom continues to be a tomboy, like there's this sort of beautiful way that in me making this choice and not asking anyone permission, I have grown closer to her because now I go to her and, and I have moments of like, cause I'm living with her uh, stuck in quarantine and uh, it should be a sitcom, but I'll go to her and I'll be like, mom, like what's a, what's a depilatory or like, what are split ends and do I have them? Like just like things about grooming, female grooming that like, I just, I'm a baby trans and I just like, don't, I, there's so many things that she, that she could just swoop in and be like that maternal figure in a healthy way where she's like, okay, we're going to get, you know, well, let me tell you all about waxing. Like, you know, um, <laughs> just also like, I'm available for questions. <laughs> I've been in this hairy curly haired body my whole life. I got you. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we've got that. We've got that thick dark Brown hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, that, oh my God. Like hair, like head hair. Oh my goodness. When you are growing up in America, and you're a boy, they give you head and shoulders and say, good luck. <laughs> I mean, that is, that works for maybe Aryan children who like have flaxen straight hair and that's it. Otherwise you're not like, that shit is poison to anyone with like thick, rich or wavy curly hair. It will dry it out. I have not it took me 30 years to learn that I can't use shampoo. I have to use a cleansing conditioner and I have to keep my hair moist with like coconut oil and all this shit. But it's like fucking, there's one message I want to give people today. It's like, don't use head and shoulders. <laughs> like listen to, listen to, listen to black women's blogs about yes. hair care because they know what's up. <laughs> if Jay the- moisture for life. If the hair it's mask has a terrible to... time to run an ad for our sponsor, uh, Head and uh. Shoulders. It's the <laughs> podcast for a sponsor. Um, we want to apologize to Head and Shoulders. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh my god! No, I, um, I, uh, yeah. If you have a deep conditioning mask that has to live in your freezer until you use it, that's some high quality shit. I'm just saying. If you bought, if you bought it from a store that it sells a lot of shea butter and like, um, like dashiki cloth, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be good for your skin yeah. and hair. <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. Dave, For what's your sure. hair care regimen? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I it's all soap to me. So I will body wash with soap and wash my hair. I'm just kidding. Um, you do not do I the honestly... two-in-one. You do not. Please tell me you don't do the two-in-one sh- shampoo body wash, please. I'm, I, it... I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah. But there was a small period of time, especially like in my in my drinking days, where I would just get like a big bottle of the Dr. Browners, and that cleaned everything. Like there's just like this is just a soap, you know. There are worse um, things than that for sure. Yeah, I uh, I usually I usually I'll shampoo the hair, and then I do uh, have separate uh, beard wash and conditioner. So okay. okay, the hair doesn't need as much as the beard does. Okay, beard wash. Yeah, do, you, do you use like a, a oil beard, a beard oil or beard wax? Uh, when it was longer, like it used to be down to here, I've, I've recently cut it down uh, to short. So now like uh, when it was longer, the, the oil for like keeping it not dry and itchy and then the wax for shaping so it didn't look haggard. Mm-hmm. But now it's just, you know, just a little pump of oil just to kind of keep everything not While you're pondering... You're Life. pondering things, you know, pinching and how, your chin. And, and how to apologize to our sponsor, Head and Shoulders, for that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Lena, I absolutely love, you know, I absolutely love both messages that you just gave us because I'm passionate about hair care. And also, like, explaining your journey with transitioning and with coming out. And I think it's really valuable. Like, because I think especially our elders are struggling with that and younger folks maybe that don't have a lot of diversity in their life are struggling with that. And, um, and I think, I think you like nailed it. I think you got your point across. Like, it's just like, it's just like addiction in that we don't choose to be addicts, but we can choose our recovery. Yeah. You know, and like, that's my least favorite part in any of recovery literature is the acceptance is the answer to all my problems. (laughs) Uh, And look, Acceptance is the answer to some of my problems, okay? Right. Um, but right. the, the blanketed statement of all, and what maybe, and unless I'm wrong, I was uh, I was receiving the feeling of sometimes that can keep you in this bad space because you right. just think you have to live with right, and, and that's I I always say that accept that I have to take action surrounding yes, yes. exactly exactly yeah. I think the language is so. What I love about like AA literature, for example, is like for every part of it that is like just deeply problematic and outdated and gendered and just like fetishizing capitalism, there are these like there are these nuggets of wisdom that transcend time and space and are so powerful. And I think that a lot of it is because of the open-endedness of the way it's written. Like for me, um, one of the things that I realized recently is like when I was sober the first time around, like I really struggled and hated this idea of like, okay, our primary purpose is to stay sober and help others like achieve sobriety. Like what about like when I want to play Nintendo, you know? And the reality is like my primary purpose as a member of a 12 step program might be to do that but that doesn't have to be my primary purpose as a human. Like I, my sponsor says often, um, I didn't get sober to like spend my life in boring, depressing meetings. I got sober so I could fucking 
live a full rich life you yes know? Um, and some and some people hide in meetings mm-hmm. yes you, absolutely. you know like i i did a lot of young people service my first couple of years and there were people that were older now granted you can make the case for like having people with 20 30 years older people in sobriety as like a sounding board is not a bad thing but i i felt like there was a lot of older men and women hiding in that world of young mm-hmm. people's aa because in that world they are seniority you know whether it be by years number or anything like that mm-hmm. and you know uh, i am forever grateful for that time i spent there but i i saw how easy it could be to mm-hmm. hide in the rooms i saw what's how that, easy what's that term it's like elder statesman versus like the negative version, which is like the more cantankerous, like, like an elder statesman is like one who's who's been around for a while and like I knows to listen. De- I know ble- bleeding deacon. deacon. Yeah, elder yeah, statesman ble- yeah. versus bleeding deacon. Yeah, yeah, I, that's uh, the difference. I, my favorite thing to do is to call old crispy fucks bleeding deacons. <laughs> I still, I still do it <laughs> to I their mean, face. I mean. Oh, I mean, there's only one way to do it these days, you know. Yeah, um, Dave, Dave will get in the face, man. He's he's not shy. <laughs> well, I just don't like. I I I just don't. I just don't. I I just don't let. Um, I just don't let old timers flex their old timiness. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. I, yeah, I I just. <laughs> Well, because no one challenges anything, and like mm-hmm. it, it, that's and that's the whole blanket of the acceptance is the answer to all my problem thing, is like it's not that simple. Yeah, like it's not. Well, and I too people think they could just come at you and tell you something like about how you're sharing in a meeting or you, sh- like and and mask it with, um, you know, I just felt compelled to let you know. It's just like no, you should just. Con- con- held to mind your own fucking business sometimes. Yeah. 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 I definitely hid in the rooms for like 12 years, you know, because it's it's warm and safe. It's warm and safe. And I didn't. And when I came out of that, I started doing stand up, and I was so naive when you said I was just a naive slut girl. Sames. (laughs) Suddenly I was doing something that got me all sorts of attention and you didn't have to like look like an Instagram model to like get a little like, Oh, Hey girl. You know, it was like Mm. my funny became my asset and not my liability. Mm. And yeah, that, that that was a phase, man. That was a Mm. phase. But like, I, you know, what would you say your level of honesty is today with all of this? I think there is um, there's certain actions I'm taking today because I'm ready. There's certain actions such as like financial wreckage that um, I'm willing to take, but it can't, you know, um, because I don't have <laughs> I don't have the money. Um, and um, and there's certain things that I think like just around sexuality and gender, like I'm, I'm ready to work through it, but I don't quite know. I know the living amends I need to make in regards to things I've done to other people, but I don't think I'm clear yet. 
fully on like the living amends I need to make to myself. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that takes time. That honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really get to that till a couple of times through the steps. Yeah. You know, that real surrender to I can't forgive anyone until I forgive myself, and I'd yeah. never forgiven myself. Yeah, I'd given lip service to it, but didn't practice it. Yeah. Well, and too, I think I think another colloquial AA phrase that is very useful is the more will be revealed, and that's not it's not acceptance is the answer to all my problems, but it is. It is a level of acceptance in where I am at this very moment and knowing that it's okay not to spend too much time in the past nor the, the future, future, be it distant yeah. or not. And financially, like I, I knew a guy early on uh, that had 15 years when we had this conversation and he's like, I was six figures in debt. Now I own a house and my credit is good. So it's possible. You know, right. and you learn from people what is possible to surmount in recovery by staying involved with yeah. people that you don't. You have something that I want, and it's not monetarily, yeah. but it's, right. it's surmount, surmounting the odds that one goes through without the drink or the drug. Yeah, yeah. The cash and prizes. I actually like really hate when people bring up if they're like the speaker. I'm speaking at a meeting tonight, and I it's my first time being the speaker since I got sober again 85 days ago. So I'm really excited for that, but. I've been thinking a lot lately about like speakers and different styles of sharing that I do and don't like. And for me, it's like when it's a bad speaker, I love in zoom meetings because I can like text my text shit top my friends and be like, I want to place bets on when they're going to get to what it's like now. I, I say like maybe, maybe the last two minutes of their share, maybe it's like, no, they don't, no, it wasn't until the last minute that they were like, Oh, Oh, Oh. So anyway, so now I'm sober and uh, it's great. I keep going to meetings, um, but uh, but I I think the thing I think the thing that is like more compelling to me is just like in in other people like in terms of like when I see what people who have what I want, it's like it's just this the easy does it like gentleness. Like my sponsor, she and I went to high school together. Um, and we didn't really know each other because um, she was a senior when I was a freshman and she got arrested for possession and then got sober. She has 17 years and is only a few years older than me. And she like, she shows up, but she doesn't, we have fun, you know, like mm -hmm. when, when we go to a bad meeting, we check out or, sh or talk shit. Or like one time we were at a meeting and someone said something the speaker said something transphobic and I basically got sponsored direction from her to like mute the meeting and play animal crossing. And I was like, you are the best sponsor ever. Also she, my first time around in sobriety was like the first person to ever show me that it was possible to have fun in sobriety. And I texted her recently and I, just, and I said, you know, I think back when I was 19 going to meetings with you and watching you unapologetically text you're in a meeting while sitting in the front row may have saved my life. Like that is, you have what I want. It's like, you're showing up, but also like, you're not taking it that like, it's you're everything's fine. Yeah. If you have like, you don't have to, you don't have to be perfect. You're in, you've got your butt in the seat. You're there, you know? Um, and I love that. I, I love that about my sponsor. Like, 
you know, often she's an artist and an educator, and like often during meetings when her cam is on, you can tell she's just like listening, but like painting something and like, she's just, yeah, she, she has what I want in, in that gentleness. Oh my gosh. Lena, where can people find you? Yes. Um, I, I just updated my, um, my Twitter handle, um, to my new name and my username. I'm double checking, but I believe it's unfortunate Lena. Um, (laughs) Just unfortunate Lena. I hate to break it to you, but it's me. Um, and oh, then uh, I, love I think on Twitter, I mean, on Instagram, it's okay, Lena Epstein. Um, but yeah, find me on Twitter, tweet at me, um, send nudes, um, cash app, Venmo me money. Um, I love you. <laughs> but yes, follow that, follow that Twitter. Uh, Lena is hilarious on Twitter and it has been such a joy to watch you come back because there was a moment on Twitter where I could tell I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Rut row. And <laughs> but it was like it was like way late in the game. I didn't I didn't know. And then yeah. um, you yeah, know, if anyone wants to f- tra- follow my my relapse, they'll just like scroll back in Twitter and see like funny, <laughs> funny, weird, and then like, oh, silence for six months, and then uh oh, yeah. <laughs> follow the arc. Follow, follow the arc. Join me on my journey. <laughs> It's amazing. I love you. This I has love been you great. too. This has been Dave, great. I love you. And I and I and I love, love you that back. you're a cis man. And I, I think that your voice is just <laughs> as important as anyone else's. Um thank you for being uh an ally and and committing to uh like correcting other fucking people when they're saying dumb shit. Oh, we're, trying out. Like we're, we're, we're trying out me cis streets we're trying oh my gosh you well are. dave where can people find you uh you can find me being a cisgendered male <laughs> pig over at at yates comedy on instagram and twitter that sounds hot and steaming it really is. I want to go find you being a cisgender male on, on that website. That sounds fun. It is It is very fun, especially because he sells Ha Ha Hot Sauce, which is delicious. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And so Spicy. please please support Dave and the pod by buying that. Um, you can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on AnnaValenzuela.com for show dates, information, bookings. Um, please follow this podcast at 12QPod on all platforms and Gmail if you just want to reach out to us. Um, we already started the Love Fest. Lena started us off on the Love Fest. So I just feel like we just have to tell everybody, guys, if you're listening today, we love you. We love you. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Thank you.